As long as there have been personal computers, people have been using them to make games. They have made them alone, they've made them with friends, they have formed companies and sold them, they've given them away for free. People from all walks of life have made all kinds of games for all kinds of reasons. Most conventional game history leaves out games that didn't have a large impact on the broader industry. But the history of the games industry is not the history of games. There are countless games that run the risk of being forgotten entirely, but they mattered to somebody. Who made them? How? Why? Whose lives did they touch? The Fringe Game History Podcast is my attempt to tell some of those stories which might otherwise be lost. I'm Jeremy Penner, and this is the second episode of the Fringe Game History Podcast. In this episode, I'll be talking with Phil Salvador about the Mario fan game Galaxy Forums in the early 2000s. The music you're hearing right now is the opening music from Waligi DX, a popular joke game we dig into during the interview. Let's get right to it. So, welcome to episode two of the Fringe Game History Podcast. Uh, my guest here today is Phil Salvador. Um, he's... Currently, his big project, he runs a site called The Obscurity, uh, at obs- or, sorry, The Obscuratory, Obscuratory. <laughs> um, at obscuratory.com, a, which is dedicated to shining a light on forgotten games uh, through, uh, there's a blog featuring some very sharp insights and, you know, digging into lots of different cool stuff. And he also occasionally does some very cool streams on Twitch. And the thing we're going to dig into a lot more today was in a previous life was an administrator for the Mario fan game Galaxy forums. A previous life, that's that's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, that was kind of my intro that I had down. And maybe tell us a bit about yourself. Sure, absolutely. So, um, like uh, Jeremy said, I in a former life, was an administrator for Mario Fan Games Galaxy. Um, I've always, since... This is, like, such a rote like, story that everyone has, but I've always wanted to, you know, be into games and things like that. But um, I found myself going down the road of the stuff that's not as critically covered or known or well-discussed. Um, my winding path down that road to starting the Obscuratory took me on a long detour through helping run a Mario fan game site. And it's kind of funny that now like a decade removed from that, I think it is about a decade since I left that site. Um, it is kind of funny that comes back around that that stuff is now what I think is interesting again, a very different level that it's <laughs> now this, the, the sort of like folk art almost as opposed to, I don't know. It's, it's kind of funny that it meshes back up with that again, with this kind of like what you're doing, this forgotten, um, sub history of game stuff. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy to bring them back and intertwine them and kind of dig up some, uh, some corpses from that era and kind of give a better idea of what was happening, um, on the site and within the community. It was definitely a, a strange dynamic. So I'm happy to dig into that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess maybe just kind of bio before we really dig into that, uh, I'm curious, just, uh, I kind of want to ask everybody this, but when did you start first kind of start to realize that you personally could make games. What's kind of the story behind that? I think it started for me with QBasic. I think so. Back in the day, you know, I had like an old DOS computer and I was aware that game making existed as a thing. I obviously I played a game as programming was a thing. I always had this like inflated image of I got to learn C++ for some reason that one specifically that language always stuck out to me from a young age. I'm not entirely sure why. Um, 
QBasic was the first time that I was able to just like putz around with something and make a program quickly, where I was able to just make a program that says like, what's your name? I'm Bob. You suck, Bob. Just like a really simple program like that. And that was exciting. I never learned the skills to like fully program from scratch. And I always said, ah, oh, I got to learn this stuff. And then just never committed myself. But it was um, some early game making programs that really got me into it. I think more even than learning QBasic. The first one for me, the big one was the, um, the official Hamster Republic RPG creation engine, the OHR engine, which was a DOS role-playing game creation engine that was really just people making like, uh, you know, Final Fantasy knockoffs forever. <laughs> and it was great. It was, I think I started that in like 99. So that was, ages and ages ago i think i was nine years old at the time but i started with that and then eventually stumbled into click team products like click and play and the games factory which were also again you know just like really easy kind of drag and drop no programming necessary unless you really wanted to get into it programs and that to me was much more accessible than coding so you know i tried to learn basic i tried to you know familiarize myself with some programming languages but having the easy tools was the first time where i said i can do this this is something i can accomplish as opposed to it being like a dream that i have to build up skills to do right. uh, so i guess i like i like the easy out <laughs> i guess um yeah so i learned those and eventually um Learning the Games Factory, I ended up stumbling onto Mario Fan Games Galaxy uh, while looking up things. I think my brother was actually looking for like fan art or something and saw that and said, oh, you use this program, right? They use this program here. And uh, that was in like 2002, a couple years later. And uh, that was segueing from wanting to learn games into this unusual site I ended up on. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, what exactly is or was... Uh, Mario fan games galaxy like when you stumbled onto it and started to like digging like what was the first stuff that kind of jumped out at you so when I first came upon the site it was it was still pretty small when I landed there it was a fairly tight-knit community it was maybe like a couple dozen people maybe 30 40 like really dedicated people on it and what really stood out to me well the big one was when I went there since they used the same program as I do they used click and play the game is factory um, the founder of the site, Thunder Dragon, uh, Luke Tarlow, had gone through and ripped a bunch of sprites and backgrounds of Mario games and put them in libraries you could use in the Games Factory. So even more than any of the specific games, the fact that you can go to the site and there's a pack that's just called like Mario characters, and you download it and you can just drag like any version of Mario and Luigi from the Super Nintendo into your game and suddenly it works was kind of a miracle, and that that was a huge deal. I think m there were. There were fascinating, interesting games. I think especially the ones that were not conventional Mario games. We can talk a little bit about those, but it was the stuff that was a little stranger and a little more experimental. I was always like a weird kid. When I was using the uh, the Hamster Republic game engine, I had made a game where you played as like a tomato and your party members were like a crouton, and it was just <laughs> kind of nonsense. And so... There were games like there was one called uh, Mario versus NWO where it was like Mario <laughs> competing against another team and the villain was like this guy named Bubba who farts and it had almost <laughs> nothing to do with almost nothing to do with Mario and those ones got me more than like the games that were trying to like accurately recreate a Mario game. Right. So I, I think it was a combination of having the resources that were right there 
that mm. were so captivating you could just you know grab a tutorial or graphics and then what people were doing with them as opposed to just like doing like i you know i had done rom hacks for things sometimes i had messed around with like uh lunar magic the program for um editing super mario world i had done stuff like that but this people were taking it in a much more unexpected direction i think that's what clicked for me at first uh even the guy who founded it uh luke the games they made were uh, almost more like Zelda games than Mario games, and that interested me too. Hmm. Just a different kind of direction than just recreating um, what already existed. Right. So, like, um, digging in, I guess, a little bit more into, like, kind of just the tools and stuff that, that was available. Like, you mentioned uh, tutorials and stuff. Were people mostly used kind of the same tools for most of the time you were there? Or, like... Um, or was there kind of a lot of variety of like, oh, here's a tutorial for playing with this or, or you know, Games Factory versus Game Maker or something like that? Right. It varied a bit. Um, at first, especially earlier on in the community, it was almost exclusively Click products like Games Factory, Click and Create, just because that's what everyone was using. As I stayed there, it did start to shift more towards Game Maker, um, which had some issues as far as like tutorial resources. Because initially... Um, the whole site was kind of plug and play in a little way. You could say, you know, I want to make an engine where, you know, Yoshi can lick things. And so you just go download the Yoshi licks things tutorial. <laughs> you didn't even have to learn it necessarily. You could just kind of drag things into your own game, drag sprites in. It got a little more fragmented years later, like maybe towards like 2005, 2006, we started seeing some early game maker games and those were kind of exciting, but the community definitely started to shift away from just using the one same product and ended up going in kind of, the opposite, not opposite. It was almost like like a, a loop where towards the end, people had made um, again kind of drag and drop programs that operated within the games for uh, <clears throat> excuse me the game maker framework, where it I think it was called the Hello Engine. It was just like an extremely simple Mario engine that would make like something that played a lot like Super Mario Bros. Three, and so people would just use that, and so it was, it was kind of a, a neat little like loop where it started out everyone using the same program sharing resources things that kind of fragmented and then it kind of pulled back to everyone using the same resources again hmm. i think as things got a little more standardized like that toward the end you lost a little bit of the experimentation but i think that i think it was strongest earlier on when it was a shared program shared tool sets shared resources but people were just taking it in disparate directions and there, there was always experimentation but i think having a shared tool set from the outset was um, helpful to letting people kind of run wild and go in odd places. Right. You kind of have this jumping off point where you've got, you've got all the basic tools you need and then you can just, just layer things on top of it. Yeah. It sounds very cool. I can definitely see how, you know, anyone who's kind of interested in, in making stuff would just kind of stumble upon this and just be like, I hit the gold mine. Oh yeah, exactly. And if people would, there was an interesting phenomenon. Um, for people who don't know, the games that were made with uh, Games Factory and Click and Create and similar programs, in a lot of cases, you could open them up and edit them if people hadn't like locked the uh, <clears throat> the original files away. So a lot of the time, people would be building off of something that came before and just adding like extra effects or you know techniques they learned. There was a famously terrible game someone made called Paper Mario World that it's barely even worth like talking about. It was just such 
an enormous disaster. Everything about it was wrong. So someone came by and made a gold version, which was the exact same game, except there were like really fancy special effects and a voiceover. <laughs> it wasn't really an improvement by like any definition, but it was it was like the enhanced version because they're like, hey, I know how to do like a really cool fireball effect that leaves like a trail behind, and that was all they really brought to it. <laughs> so you had so you got fun things like that sometimes. It was neat to see people you know, slowly building off each other's progress in that way. There was a bit of like healthy competitive one-upsmanship and people trying to make like increasingly flashy and exciting things. We can talk a little bit about more, a bit more about that later, but it was fun at least. Yeah. When there was a more common skill set among everyone who was on the boards, because the boards were a huge part of it, not just the site. um, It was neat to see how people kind of like leapfrogged off of each other and kept enhancing the same games and making uh, just taking bits and pieces from them and making something new and then breaking that apart. And that was kind of a neat dynamic to it. Very cool. So you mentioned kind of the main site versus the forum split. Like how, how were things kind of organized a little bit? I mean, just uh, for folks like everyone who aren't familiar with the Mario fan game galaxy universe. Of course, of course. Yeah. So uh, originally, if the hosting, the way the site was put together, it was just kind of cobbled together in different sources. I think the original hosting was on an emulation website, and the message forum was hosted on EasyBoard, the free message forum host. And for the longest, even though they were kind of hosted in different places and they kept getting like kicked off servers and moved around in different places over and over, there kept being like really suspicious things happening. But for the the first half of the site, I mean, not half, first couple of years of the site, it was definitely there was some unification. But what was interesting was as the site started to grow after the site started in like 2001, I think. And by 2004, 2005, it was really starting to grow significantly. And at that point, there was a bit of a divergence between the site itself and the boards. The website was, you know, people posting new games, new sprites, but there wasn't really, it was almost like just like a web 1.0 website for the longest time. So there wasn't a lot of discussion being generated there. Most of that was happening on the forums. Eventually people started joining the boards just because it was a neat game creation oriented website. People would come who, you know, didn't have as much interest in Mario, but still played around with the tools. We had someone who I think was making like Hellraiser fan games, which kind of confuses me, <laughs> but that was what they were, they were really into. They were making like these pixel art, you know, uh, pinheads and it was, um, it's kind of odd, but he joined because it was just people, again, using the same sort of programs, using click team programs. And as it went on and on and on, by maybe like a couple years later, the, the forums had kind of become their own beast in a way that I think negatively affected the entire community. It had reached the point where it was just sort of like a general discussion site that also had a Mario fan game site attached to it. And both were still, you know, healthy in the sense that there was an active community using them. But it definitely at some point got a little bifurcated. It got to the point where the site was, here's all this fan game stuff happening, and they'll post about it on the boards occasionally, but the boards are mostly just like an off-topic general gaming section that attracted a bunch of kind of weird people who didn't really have a lot of interest in Mario fan gaming. So earlier on on the boards and the site, it was it was a little more cohesive. I think actually on the main page during the earliest versions of the site, they would actually post like people's avatars in the updates. Like, Hey, here's a picture of like a, it's Yoshi man. And it's a four eyes who that was someone's character. It was just Mario wearing glasses. And those, you know, they would just like put pictures of them in the news updates just because it was like this little close knit community, but it did diverge over time. 
which is a, a little frustrating. I think I, I played a part in that because I was always just doing chaotic things in the forums and changing the skins and, you know, messing around with it just because I was, you know, 15, 16 years old and it was fun. But um, they were different beasts eventually. For sure. So um, how did you, I mean, obviously you came on, on, kind of stumbled upon this site. How did you end up becoming an administrator of the forums and like being in this position where you could start messing with stuff? And uh, Quickly, very strangely. I remember I joined in 2003 and at some point that year, uh, Luke, the founder of the site, needed more moderators. I guess content was starting to pick up. And so we put out a public... Um, I guess a quiz is what you could say. He put out a thing where he said, here's a collection of like, you know, 10, 15 things that were submitted to the website, different reviews, different games, go through and give your opinion for each one and explain what your rationale is. And I guess I just did really well on that. I don't really have another explanation as to why I became a moderator and then very quickly an administrator. It's not entirely clear. I think Luke liked the answers. I, I, it's, I'm trying to think of a better answer for that, but it's, I'm kind of confused too about how I went from being like a normal member to administrator in the span of a year, but somehow that happened. Uh, so I started out again, just doing like for moderation and approving things in the website. And this was still when you would have to like manually update the website, like open the table and add a new row and type in the name of the game and put a screenshot in yourself before that got a little more automated later on. But then I ended up uh, again, becoming administrator, having power over the forums, and kind of running things a little out of control at that point. I think at any given point we had, there were maybe four or five administrators and maybe a couple more moderators in the forums. It was... There, there, there wasn't really like a steering committee, like, you know, what should we do with the site? It was if you were an administrator, you moderated the boards, you approved content on the site, you kind of wore every hat at the same time. I think since then they've kind of divvied it up and having site staff and forum staff a little differently. But initially it was definitely like, who are the four or five people? Okay, you're in charge of everything. Let's just go for it. There, I remember for the longest time there was just absolutely no coordination. I think we used... It was either in, I think, in vision board software for the longest time. And there was a notepad in the administrative section that, you know, some of us would occasionally like put notes into and say, hey, keep your eyes out about this. And people just use it so inconsistently to the point where in the forum rules, we eventually had to put admins have to read the administrative notepad, <laughs> which A, was super passive aggressive. I think I was the one who did that. But B, confused everyone who was not an administrator very deeply. Right. And you know we had to like make very public mentions like, hey, check out forum number twelve. There's you know we there's a new rule we have to discuss, and people would be like, what the hell is forum number twelve? What are they talking about? So there was, it was a little passive aggressive, just trying to like corral everything, and I got yelled at too. I'm sure uh, justifiedly many times, but it was, it definitely was just like four or five people kind of balancing everything and different standards and things falling through the cracks for the longest time. Again, it did eventually get a little more standardized, but I think at some point, uh, Luke Thunder Dragon just said, yeah, sure. Make me an administrator. And then it just kind of, everything just kind of slowly just bled from there. I don't know what words no. to use besides that, but <laughs> no, that's, that's probably a reasonable one. So yeah, maybe, um, wonder if you could, uh, Tell me a little bit about kind of what it was like to make a game and post it on the site. One thing that's worth mentioning that's kind of unusual is that during my time there, I don't think I submitted a game to the website until 
like the year I left. For the most part, and this was an interesting dynamic in the site, for the most part, people were always submitting things to the website. There are always new, exciting games, but the really exciting stuff was happening in the forums because that's where people would post games they made in half a day or posted like an incomplete demo that couldn't go on the website. So you got a lot of experimental stuff in there. People just kind of rapidly prototyping things. So the games I had made initially that I was like, you know, committed thinking this is, you know, this is my magnum opus. This is the thing I'm going to make were things I had, you know, labored on after school and clicked away at and then never really shared with anybody. But the stuff that I got feedback on the stuff that people shared were if somebody made a typo on the website and then somebody ran with it and then made a game based on the typo, that was kind of where the, like the most interesting dynamic was. The example I was obliquely referencing there was we had a member in the, boards named uh, Kane Piranha Plant, who I think he was like 10 years old at the time. So he, he was a kid. I have to cut him some slack. And he's now like a successful YouTuber, which I'm very excited for him. But he came with the boards and he tried to start a topic about Waluigi, which he spelled Waligi, W-A-L-I-G-I-E. And people thought this was hilarious and made like a series of like parody terrible Mario games starring Waligi. And of anything I ever did in the site, I helped contribute to those. That was the most feedback I've ever gotten on anything. Like people just absolutely loving it. And now oh, when's the next one? What's going to happen? And people making their own Waligi fan games, like this whole little sub community sprang up. And those were made in like the span of a couple days. Like just, we were talking on MSN messenger, like, what do we do? We need a level here. Uh, what happens? Uh, Bob Barker shows up, he kills everyone. Great. And that was the <laughs> game. And we just like, we threw it together as quickly as we could. And that was the kind of thing, again, that we, that, would, that was kind of the life of the community. We would have, you know, there were like formal contests, like we're going to do like a mini game of the month contest. But then there would also be things where I think I posted like, quickly make a game. It has to have a picture of Magic Johnson in it. Nothing to do with Mario <laughs> at all. But that was, again, that was like, that was what was happening in the community. That's where the energy was, was in people just kind of experimenting and putting things together and making like quick tutorials, turning things out and... Um, what was a good example of that? There was a fan game called Pocket Mario that was supposed to like look like a Game Boy Advance game, hence the pocket aspect, and it never got finished. But it was a it was like this, it was like Half Life Three. It was this endlessly anticipated thing that was just never going to happen. And the developers, um, Justin and Andy, would occasionally post uh, just you know quick snippets like a tech demo of here's how the chain chop works and everyone would lose their minds and it would be incredible. And I don't know if that actually ever ended up in the website. I think it just kind of fizzled out, but it was like this galvanizing thing, like when's Pocket Mario going to come out? And so I almost, I think we kind of modeled ourselves after like E3 and how the game press was working at the time. We would have like hype cycles for things that we were making that of course would never come out. Mm. Uh, people were, you know, teasing projects that you would never see anything about apart from maybe a couple sprites or like a half finished tech demo. And again, a lot of that stuff never transferred to the site. And I think that was kind of one of the reasons the culture started to split a little bit because there are people who just access the site, which was me for a while. Like the first year I ever used, um, ever visited MFGG, I was not a member of the forums. I would just check in the website out. And that, that kind of, uh, you know, rapid sharing, psyching people out culture to kind of, sprung up mostly on the boards and not the site since it was a less formal place. If that makes any sense, there were, there were a lot of games that I'm sure are just lost to time now that are firmly implanted in my brain. There was a guy named weirdest child, which is a great username. Mm -hmm. He was a very weird person. And I forget if he ever submitted and got anything onto the site, but he was 
best known for he would make games where it's like George Bush races the American flag. Or no, was it maybe you fought the American flag and there was a separate game of anything? He made these weird <laughs> games that were like lately political. And I remember him much more for that. And that's something that, you know, we just kind of never made it to the site, had no way of translating to the site in any coherent way. But um, yeah, it was post a game, get tons of feedback, people getting all excited about it. It would vanish down the forums a week later, and that was the last you'd hear of it. And that was kind of where all the energy and enthusiasm was, especially as the site started to sort of drift in two different directions later on. Right. Yeah, I told you about Waligi in the... uh... I didn't even know that's... I, I don't know if that's the... If there is an official pronunciation... Or, well, uh, I, at least I pronounced it Wangiki. Sure. Um, that yeah. was that was a collaborative effort. People occasionally say, oh, he's the one who made it. But it was myself, a guy named Hibbo Man on the forums, and there was another guy named Cutman Mike who is now uh, – uh, he did the Mega Man um, Deathmatch Doom mod. That got really popular recently. Mm-hmm. And that was just us spitballing and throwing things around. And there were, I'm sure, like a dozen similar things in the forums that are, you know – lost to time now but that right. that was how things were made people just gathering in a chat room throwing ideas together bouncing things around turning something out in two weeks and really just trying to not shock people in like a shock value terror way but just kind of like shock and awe of i was able to make this i did it ah and that was that was the culture of the forums it was kind of interesting just a a different dynamic than how it was in the site where you know once in a while a game would come up and everyone would review it there was a lot more happening kind of under the surface right um so maybe uh maybe this is the time in the podcast where i ask you to tell me about uh one of the games that you made uh perhaps talk a little bit about live in a buttock oh jesus okay um so yeah so one thing and this will sound like i'm going on a wildly different tangent trying to avoid the subject but it's going to come back (laughs) so (laughs) so one of the things we loved was being on the site staff you saw a lot of things come through. You know, you would occasionally get like an amazing fan game that had did things people had never thought of before, but occasionally, not occasionally, most of the time you would get things that were just borderline incoherent. We would get games in that were, you know, barely broken reviews that made absolutely no sense. Sprite sheets that were just, cause it was, you know, people just uploading sprites they made that were just like poorly drawn nonsense. And for a while, really bad reviews. I think it was even just one person who submitted these really terrible again incoherent unrelated to anything reviews we just started saving our favorite snippets from and it, it, it was a little cruel but they were really strange it wasn't just like you know poorly written poorly spelled um reviews it was like someone who just wrote like a fanfic about an island full of yoshis in a totally unrelated game that had nothing to do with yoshi and so after a while, I, I just said, you know what, this has to be committed somewhere. And I made the game, as you said, Live in a Buttock, which was someone's, I think that was his summary of a, a one out of 10 review, was that was his thought that was Live in a Buttock, <laughs> which I, I still don't really understand what that means. But I, I, I attempted to make a game around those. And it was like uh, an adventure game where Luigi goes to live in a buttock. And then there's like, it's like, well, there's like a choose your own adventure element. There's like branching paths and an ending, but it was all based on these just incoherent quotes people were submitting to the website in the form of reviews. And there was a lot of that too. You know, this was, especially as the site started to grow in like 2005, 2006, I think 2005 was when we got um, mentioned on G4 TV, which was like a watershed, like everyone, like their heads exploding, um, 
moment, but that was when the site kind of drifted towards being more of like almost a, like a general game community site. We got kind of that unsavory element of people who would go like raid other websites and, you know, you know like casually racist jokes and everything like that. And so th- there was always, a, during that phase, there was a little bit of that kind of like mocking, condescending element, which in retrospect, I'm not, you know, super happy with. But this place was kind of a fun, uh, you know, the site staff blowing off steam a little bit and some of the nonsense we got through. Um, I think a positive outlet. This, this at least was one positive form that took. Right. Was there, you know, obviously you talk a lot about kind of where the energy is uh, and the, the kind of, you know, playing off each other's jokes and, and, and just kind of what people would get excited about. Can you think of like the kind of stuff that people kind of ignored or like, you know, kind of got lost very quickly or I don't know if that's... Like specific games that were um, off the radar? Yeah, maybe. Or like people would come up and they'd say, hey, I did this thing. And people were like, well, you know, was was it something where, you know, obviously it kind of sounds like a lot of things are kind of freewheeling and a lot of things goes. Obviously, you've got, you know, George Bush cart racer or whatever. <laughs> um, but like, I wonder if there's, you know, if people just got excited when people were doing stuff or and, and there was a lot of feedback or if there was like there there wasn't a lot of constructive feedback in the forums i think i think a lot of it was just i made this people saying oh this is great and that was kind of the reaction to it i'm trying to think of specific examples of things like that um a lot of it was just like unfinished demos like someone would start a mario game and say i made this one level post it and everyone say oh this is great this is really cool and maybe they would ask someone for help and there would be a little bit of collaboration and then it would just kind of dissipate but it was like i said it was almost just kind of like shock and awe rather than any attempt to make a full game Mm -hmm. there was a guy in the forums who had the there's a lot of butt jokes in this podcast. We're only like half an hour in, but there was a guy, there was a guy named Turdlantic on the forums, which that's just a terrible username. But I remember he tried, he started making a couple games. He made like a Mario party game and he made a, like a uh, super Mario RPG style, like isometric, like running around jumping game. And they didn't really get anywhere. The, the isometric one was just held together with spit. There were clearly just like so many hacky workarounds to make it look all right. And I'm not sure he ever, I think he wanted to make it to a full game, but didn't, maybe didn't really have any illusions that would ever happen. Same with Mario Party PC. It was this super ambitious concept that even just making like a functional board was uh, substantial enough that people were really surprised by it. But I think it was almost a case where in just creating it and putting it out there and having people say, oh, well, look at what Atlantic made. This is, this is wild. That was almost enough for a lot of people. And so like I, I said, there was that kind of like sort of one-upsmanship happening a lot and as the site went on it got a little bit grosser as the site started to get a little a little nastier and a little more toxic like i said earlier there was i remember there was someone who started their own game making program sort of they used um multimedia fusion which was another one of the click family products and they made their own like online enabled simple game making program and it seemed in a lot of these cases it was really just to make something that was surprising and that people would say oh well look at what this guy made and it, there wasn't even so much on i'm not 100 percent sure i'm going with this but there there were a lot of things that were really just made to be amazing and less 
with the interest of making the final product. There was someone who I think they eventually finished it, but they had made this super elaborate like World War II Mario game where like Mario fights the Nazis and it was like violent and serious and all these wild special effects. And again, it was the sort of thing where it was like a big trailer came out and everyone thought this was amazing and then everyone kind of forgot about it and it came out a couple years later and it was just okay. But the, the emphasis was a lot on it was mostly a community of peers, but it was you know, a lot of people trying to impress each other and trying and saying, you know, hey, you made that cool thing. Look at this cool thing I made, even if something never came out of it in the end. There was there was a lot of emphasis on, like I mentioned earlier, like people just like updating Paper Mario World and adding new flashy effects to it. It was kind of that writ large of who could do the next really exciting thing. Somebody put a demo up. It was a, a Mario game that had this, these really detailed like fighting controls of like combos and boss battles. And again, that one never really went anywhere, but it seemed to just be a thing that they just like tested the waters with. And that was, I don't think it was, those were cases where they, they only intended to make a tech demo. I'm sure they wanted to make it into a whole game, but it was almost as if just getting it out there was enough in the community, if that makes any sense. Oh, for sure. And certainly just like even from my own experience in Glorious Trainwrecks, like it, it kind of feels like a similar, you know, there's a lot of ideas that, you know, the, the energy is just feeding off of interesting ideas and interesting games that people have made. And, you know, there's there's all kinds of stuff where someone would make, one thing and then someone else would get inspired by that and make something else and then someone else would get inspired by that and make a third thing and in glorious train wrecks as well there's kind of um has been some some form of not necessarily one up one upping but like you know trying to do impressive stuff especially like with click and play and whatever like doing weird tech demos and stuff like that oh yeah um so so like i totally understand you know this this sort of energy and this sort of mindset um, yeah, it, it was. It wasn't hostile. It, it eventually got that way a little bit later on. There was, <clears throat> excuse me, there was you know a little clickishness in the forums and things got a little snippy. But at least initially, it wasn't out of spite. It was definitely out of people trying to see what they could do next to get. See, even saying get the spotlight sounds a little negative, but it was definitely. It, it was. It was a positive competition for the most part of people just trying to see what was next and what was really exciting, what would light the forums on fire. And if that became a game eventually, that would be great. There were people like, uh, again, the founder, Luke, made several games over his uh, whole time in MFGG. And there was one, uh, Toad Strikes Back, like the really big one that kind of shocked everyone, that he worked on for like five years, just quietly tinkering away, not really posting a whole lot about it, once in a while giving an update and then releasing it, and everyone loved it. For the most part, that was an exception, I think. It was generally unfinished projects, things being thrown out quickly. That was kind of the you know, the, the electricity that was mm -hmm. happening as opposed to the sort of like long tinkerer slowly working on a wonderful vessel that then, you know, blossoms into a giant rainbow and flies over the blossoms into a rainbow. I don't know what I'm <laughs> saying, but you get the idea. It, it was, there was not a lot of long, uh, fermenting stuff. For sure. Yeah. One thing I'm curious about, I'm talking, talking a lot about kind of single, you know, people putting this thing out there. I know certainly, um, I wonder if like there was a lot of people forming groups and like collaborating on stuff. It was a lot of solo effort. There had been some team ups. Uh, the one I remember distinctly was there was a guy in the forums named Yoshi Man and another person named Mario Gamer, which both kind of you know generic enough names. 
but they had done a collaboration where they uh, made mini games together. And I think they only did maybe two or three, but they are these highly polished, uh, really well put together mini games. But they, that was a little more uncommon. For the most part, it was people kind of sticking it out on their own and just throwing something together, seeing what happened with it. There were, I think there was one super group that formed towards around the point when I was leaving the site called Techwing, and they had tried to make the games they made tend to be a little more button pushy, and they tend to make things that were you know flashier, confusing. Um, I think there's a video that had gone around on YouTube that's like close to a million views now of a game called Normal Mario Brothers, where it's just like psychedelic and things screaming and sounds and the screen shaking everywhere, and that was that. I think that was them. That was the kind of stuff they made, and it was a little like a little showy and a little too trying to be quirky, but that was one of like the only super groups like that I can think of for the most part, even though there was some kind of collaboration, people building off each other, most attempts to make like a team thing really fizzled. There was, you know, people love the community. It was this tight knit community, but there wasn't any attempts to do community projects always just kind of died on the vine. Mm-hmm. There was you know, someone who tried to make like a WarioWare type game. It was like, yeah, we'll solicit idea. We'll add all the micro games. Everyone can make them. And it got like one micro game and then just kind of vanished. I think there has been a long running community project that's been going for like nine years at this point. Uh, I think it's called the Midas machine. And that's one that again, just people have been coming in and out and adding little bits and pieces, but I think that's the most focused anything has been that nine years on. It's almost getting to the point where the game is ready. But generally, yeah, I think any kind of collaborative thing like that, unless it was people working closely like Tech Wing or with myself and Hippo Man doing the Waligi games, which is kind of sad. That's the best example I can think of of teamwork on the <laughs> website. Outside of those, I'm, I'm trying to think of other examples, but for the most part, it was generally, I mean, we were building off each other in the sense that when people made the games, the credits lists were absurdly long because it was, you know, people borrowing bits and pieces of how to's people giving little bits of feedback. Someone made a frame of a sprite that got incorporated. So they were, they were community works in that sense in that everyone kind of did a little bit that then fed into one person making a game, but it was definitely for the most part, one person grabbing disparate sources, pulling them together into a game as opposed to any kind of like collaborative team model. Uh, the one that is really fantastic is Yoshi man and uh, thunder dragon are now actually uh, teamed up outside of MFGG and they're doing their own indie games now, which is great. Uh, Yoshi man's doing the music and thunder dragons doing the game design. And that that's, I think it's really fantastic that that was like one really strong partnership that came out of it. Like out of all the, like the one diamond that came out of the attempted partnerships in the site is now like really, they're not, they haven't like made it big in the sense that their first game is still, you know, they're still in development, hoping to eventually put it on steam or something. But, uh, that again, definitely the exception in that case. That's super interesting. So it was kind of like a situation where it's almost like everyone's kind of contributing to the commons and then, uh, yeah, yeah. It kind of sounds like it's basically a total free-for-all, any kind of ideas or, you know, <laughs> um, resources or anything that anyone put up was kind of fair game for for you to, you know, learn from, steal outright, using your own stuff, rework. Basically. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And it got a little weird. I think I, I mentioned earlier the uh, the engine that anyone could use that was based on Game Maker, the Hello engine. And that was a case where when that came out, there was kind of a that stopped a little bit because it was this all-inclusive engine where you could make these perfectly playing Mario games that were really fantastic and played well and looked great. And it was 
boring and everyone hated them, <laughs> even though they were like these amazingly executed games because anyone could sit down and crank out a level. And on the one hand, having that, making it that accessible, I think is really great. I think that's one thing that the site got I think it's one thing the Hello Engine improved was that anyone, kind of like Mario Maker, could sit down and pop out a level and experiment with level design. But at the time, it was, you know, people were used to making games with, you know, Bubba the giant farting guy who fights Mario and kart races and stuff. And so this was sort of like the antithesis of that. That This was like the, you know, every game has to conform to this standard of quality now. And people just kind of turned on it. And I wonder if it wasn't because it lacked that community element a little bit. I wonder if it wasn't because the one guy making the engine, who I think his name was Hello, hence the Hello engine, I th- I think, I wonder if that's not partly the reason, too, that a lot of the time people could just come out of nowhere and say, hey, I made this giant Mario game in a couple weeks using this engine someone else made, and there wasn't as much of that dynamic sharing aspect. I think it was also just because it was a little more boring, but I, I do wonder if the comparative lack of community not even involvement just kind of like 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 a a surgery operating theater that they kind of lost that aspect to it i'm not entirely sure but that could be part of it sure yeah i'm curious um there's i was looking at the uh mfgg has a wiki that they do fairly extensive um it's way too detailed about just like little four memes and things that have since just lost any meaning to except to one or two people. And some of it I'm, gl- I'm really glad is there, but it's definitely, it's uh, it is extensive. Right. Um, I'm curious about uh, NCFC. Yes. So this was, I guess to get to this point, if, if you don't mind me diverging a little bit, I need to kind of tell the story of what happened to the site in the process leading up to me leaving the site, because this feeds directly into that. So, I mentioned that there was tension between the forums and the website, and things were getting a little more, a little more mean spirited, a little more of the general internet culture stuff that I wasn't as big of a fan of, and it, it kind of it soured over the course of another year or two. I remember 2007 was when I left the boards, and at that point I was still administrator, and there was. There was a group of people that I think they eventually split off and started their own forum called the MFGG Underground. And it was really some of the, the nastier people on the site, people who would just you know keep creating accounts to pester people, serial harassers, people who were phishing people's passwords, and just thought it was a great, wonderful time. And it was just you know the unsavory characters who really didn't want to run at the site. I think at one point, like I banned or warned someone someone in that group and they started like harassing me on AOL instant messenger and just got to the point where I said I have this is this is ridiculous I'm I'm out I have to stop and I tried to refocus on the the site itself and people have there's luckily been in the long term a tilt back towards the resources and the games in the site which has been really great but I was trying to think of you know ways to to, uh, to energize it. And so there was, you know, we tried to do like a review drive where people would, you know, find a game that doesn't have any reviews and try to get like 10 reviews. And by the end of the month, we would try to find ways to, you know, increase positive discussion. And so one thing that I talked about with Yoshi Man was we wanted to do a fan game showcase. And at the time, there was a sister site we had, and it wasn't really a sister site. It was like our, our neighbor that we, we kind of hated, but not really because we were friends and we shared a grill. It was, um, it's a very strange comparison, neighbor sharing grill. I, I don't know if it's a thing even, but um, 
it was the Sonic Fan Games headquarters, and they had an annual thing they did every year, which was the Sonic Amateur Games Expo, which has been successful. And I think you know the people who are involved in that have gone on to do bigger and better things, make more engines. I think some of those people are even tangentially involved in some of the new Sonic stuff, which is kind of exciting. But we wanted to make something like that. I'm not 100% sure, so don't quote me on that, but we wanted to make something exciting like that. And there have been attempts before to make like the Mario Fan Game Expo, and that didn't really work. So we said, let's do one for Nintendo games in general. And so there was there were a couple Zelda sites. Um, my friend Chris and I had started a Metroid fan site that we wanted to try to generate interest in. That was one of the first places where the uh, Metroid 2 remake project kind of got its footing, which was kind of fun in retrospect. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of we corralled all those resources and said, let's put in a show. We I think we got like starman.net involved. I forget if it was that year or the next year. And somehow we ended up getting – this was – oh, my God. I'm remembering this now. Uh, Charles Martinet does Mario's voice. Stopped by our chat room. Was like, hey, it's me, Mario. How's it going? <laughs> Everyone was like, fuck off. No, you're not. And no one believed him. And it was terrible. Um it's really sad. This guy's trying to prove, no, to me, Mario. It's like, no, imposter, get out of here. But we eventually got in contact with him and got him to do like a and a for this thing. And it was a lot of fun. It was this like scrappy, poorly thrown together. We had like a radio station playing Nintendo music, like a shoutcast Winamp station. And it was great. That was a lot of fun. And that uh, I did that with Yoshi Man for two years. The second year was after I had fully left the site. I was in college at that point. That was my like last formal involvement with MFGG. And I I don't know if it's still going. I remember they kept doing it for a couple of years, and it kept it still had like maybe fifty games showcased every year, which was great, especially as they brought more of like the Zelda uh, resources in. I think there might have been some Mega Man at some point too, but that was sort of like. You know, obviously, I'm, I'm looking at MFGG history through the lens of um, my own interpretation of like when I started and when I left. But that was definitely when that started. That was like the beginning of the push to like let's get focused back in the fan games, let's get focused back on the reviews, and less on people, you know, trying to kill each other on the message forums. And I, it, it didn't entirely work for a while until some more drastic changes were made in the site later on. But that was, that was something that even though it was, you know, kind of amateurish and thrown together, I'm, I'm happy with how that went. I'm kind of proud of how the, that effort went. It didn't lead to any longer lasting, like Nintendo fan game community infrastructure or anything, but it was definitely, it was nice to see that sort of, concerted energy around fan games again again it was still always happening there were still a lot of things coming through the site there are still things being posted on the boards but it definitely was starting to just become like this this hum that was always running in the background as opposed to the main focus so it was it was great to get that energy back again it didn't totally kick in until a couple years later as bigger changes were made to the site but that was definitely as i was leaving it was it was nice to see things starting to grow back again Cool. So I'm actually um, a little bit curious. Um, so I, I, I think I actually said the the acronym without actually saying the name. Uh, so is the, this event is the Nintendo Community Fan Game Conven- Convention. Um, right. And I'm kind of just interested also just uh, as well as it's, it's kind of meaning to the community and, and to the site, but just the mechanics of, of how you have a convention that's you know a website 
Uh, it was a mess. Uh, none of us were web designers or anything. So again, it was like the old days. It was a web 1.0 page that we would manually put games onto. And I think what we did during that time was we had a submission box where people you know, would say, put your name in, put the URL you're going to put the game on, and send it to us. And so as it was coming up, we would go through and check all of them and say, okay, this person says they have a Zelda game. Here's the URL. Let's take a screenshot and put it on the main page. And then just link to their website. They would host their own things. And um, a lot of it was kind of a mess. A lot of people forgot to put their sites up until like a day into the convention. Um, it was kind of a disaster a lot of the time. I think later on, they eventually got like a formal like content management system to help you know regulate things and actually automate it a little bit. But for the most part, it was me and Yoshi Man, and we had a shared inbox that um, MFGG's webmaster, Justin, gave to us. And... It was just every day we would go on and say, oh, what do we do? We need to write a letter to see if someone will do a little like talk about indie game development on the chat. Okay, who do we contact? Okay, 10 more things just came in asking to be put in here. Oh, here's one death threat. I don't think we actually got death threats, but it was just like, you know, the, the one point of contact for everything. And then we were just kind of frantically patching together a .html file behind the scenes. Um, it was kind of a miracle any of it worked, especially the uh, the radio stuff that I remember – Every night, Yoshi Man and I would do like a live talk show where we'd go through and play a couple of the games and talk about them. That was a lot of fun, but occasionally, like, I couldn't make it or he couldn't make it, and it would be on like five minutes' notice that I'd have to do it alone or something like that. It was, I think the organization improved, but it was definitely just two people monitoring a single inbox with the, that's the only point of communication for it, throwing stuff together on an FTP with no real collaborative workflow. Maybe that's just something I've seen more recently. Like all the great like productivity tools, like Trello and stuff, for organizing and managing. This was just like one text file and two nineteen-year-olds who were just like frantic. <laughs> it was just it was not a. Uh, actually, I guess I was I was seventeen when the first one started, but it was frantic and disorganized, and it is a miracle that any of it actually worked. It was a, it was a mess. It was a fun mess, but it was a mess. I mean, it's still going on, right? Like if you look at the wiki, they had there was a and cfc in 2016 right like so oh fantastic yeah um, did not realize it's still happening pretty much yeah so like um here's a germ of something and then you know it sounds like the work you know um turned into something uh interesting and lasting it is good i have noticed over time the focus tends to be on sites like game jolt that's where like a lot of the fan game activity is happening and dedicated sites like mfgg are a little less involved in that so i wonder if there's not opportunities for them to grow and do things in that direction um obviously that's that is in their hands now but uh, I, d I do wonder what kind of larger infrastructure could be built off that that was something that was something i remember wanting to do and discussing with people and then nothing ever came from it mm -hmm. um, years ago so you mentioned uh, the Sonic Fan Games headquarters. Um, yep. So I wanted to talk a little bit, uh, maybe touch on um, this idea of like, I don't know, if there's like a bunch of other communities kind of uh, connected or like, you know, uh, how, how what was kind of the relationship between MFGG and Sonic Fan Games headquarters and kind of these other things? So it all, it all kind of started when we were all hosted on the, you know, side of an emulation website and so there was some sort of like natural rivalry i mean it was you know sonic and nintendo <laughs> and i think eventually we both got deleted by the same hacker and everyone started blaming each other and it was this total nightmare 
But uh, what was interesting was even though you know there was that rivalry, there was a lot of shared community between that. And so a lot of sites kind of sprung out of each of them and kind of took their own direction. So so the Metroid site that Chris and I, friend Chris and I started was sprung out of MFGG and that had some new members, but also a lot of overlap with people who were on MFGG and people there have since gone on to kind of branch off to other things. It would, people liked the community part so much. They kind of wanted to make their own. So there were, there were, there was a period when people would make, um, sometimes it would be fan game oriented, but oftentimes someone would just want to make like their own community site. And so I remember one that was called the end of the universe, which was just an apocalyptic name, but they started it uh, around the time I was leaving the site and it was a lot of the same people. And they've since I think gone on to form their own little small social groups. Um, even some of the worst people on the site, when they went off and formed their own communities, they're now doing like game streaming together. It was, it was interesting that, not only at the end as things were kind of scattering toward the wind as I was leaving, but even early on, people would just have an idea for a community, register a message form, find some free web space, and then just kind of take it as far as it could go. And a lot of the times, you know, they would just kind of flame out and disappear, but there would also be, um, you know, kind of like seeds jumping off things, jumping off things, jumping off things. I'm trying to think of other examples, but it was, you know, someone who was on the site who was making games who eventually didn't want to do Mario games anymore and wanted to become an independent developer would start their own little community. And the first people who would beat it, the first advocates for them were people who were from MFGG, even with myself, with the obscuratory, the people who have been, you know, rallying behind it in the beginning, you know, helping me out, uh, sharing articles and stuff were people who were administrators at MFGG who I knew and I'm still in touch with. And so there was, even if it wasn't like, as big as the Sonic fan game community, which I think since then um, SFGHQ has emerged with like another Sonic research oriented site and people who are tangential of that, like I said, have gone on to work on um, other bigger uh, Sonic related projects. Um, Even if it wasn't that concerted and focused, there's definitely been this, um, the, the people who, were on the site who were ta- there were a lot of people who became very talented who were on the forums when they went on to do their new thing because they kind of started on MFGG that was their initial community i saw someone describe this as being what was it like on twitter like internet genealogy like where did you start and then what site did that change to what did that change to and so i think a lot of individual people there yeah that was since that was like their their internet home community as they went on to other things they would bring people with them and they would be the ones who would help them you know wherever they went next continue that little slice of the community there so i think even if the site itself is it's it's not what it was for for good or for ill you know it is different people there it is still mario fan game site but those individual like kind of slices or clicks of the community as those people went elsewhere they have continued to grow from their own little base i guess that was a very long answer to what was the sonic site like <laughs> but we but we the point being is we shared a lot of people and even as those communities changed and moved a lot of those people stuck together in ways that are kind of surprising yeah for sure i think that's i think that's actually super common like you know someone you know uh is is in a community that's focused on something um, you know, when you, you make friends, you connect with people and then, you know, maybe, you know, that project fizzles out or you don't care so much about making dumb Mario fan games anymore. 
uh, but you still kind of have those connections. And so, you know, they can, the, the, the seeds go out and, and new things sprout and new projects start. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I, I see that a lot, um, in a lot of communities that, um, you know, I've been a part of as well. So, yeah, we were all uh, networking at age 13, didn't yeah. have a name for it yet, but yeah. what do you know? Indeed. I don't know. It's, it's coming up on 50 minutes to an hour, but is there anything that, um, I should have asked about anything you want to talk about that we haven't touched on? It's a very good question. Um, I made notes for myself. I'm just going to skim through these really quickly just to see if there's any specific things. I mean, a large part of it, you know, the story of like mid 2000s message forum culture was sort of the story of MFGG in a lot of ways. Yeah. I was, you know, making notes about what mattered and what things were happening. A lot of it was like, you know, fads with things we put in our signatures or avatars or forum games we would play. And I think a lot of that's in common with a lot of those, you know, similar large message board based communities at the time, you know, we had our, our in jokes and, Oh, let's pretend this whole place is an office building. And every time a new person joins being like, welcome, welcome to the lobby. Here's where the giant fountain is. And it was, I'm not sure how much of that was unique necessarily to the, um, to MFGG as much as it was just kind of a symptom of what internet culture was at the time. And I think those stories are kind of, they're kind of untold. They're also, they seem similar across different sites. I think what made MFGG unique was again, that sort of like loosely project-based experimentation. I think that was like, what was one of the examples I remember writing down was trying to remember the exact specifics of this. There was someone, I think his name was Yoshi guy who I remember putting out a game that was like a star tracker where he would like put out codes in the forums and you would get star points and you could add them to the program. And it was going to be this like competition thing that would run across the entire site where like, if you won like one of the art competitions or something, you would get points you would add to this program. And he wanted to be this huge, big thing. And of course no one bought into it. And the program was, you know, hacked to pieces minutes after it was posted and nothing ever really came of it. But that was the sort of thing that I think was kind of the lifeblood of the site in a way that's unique from other game making communities. Again, I haven't really, I wasn't involved in a lot of other ones besides the Metroid one that I helped run. I kind of was glancingly involved with like uh, the daily click, the other big click team website, but I, that, that barely project oriented experimentation and constant, just kind of putting out something wild into the world, seeing what would happen with it. Maybe it's related to Mario. Maybe it would get built into a full game. That, I think, was kind of like the raw energy the community had that was unique to that site. Um, and, of course, a lot of that's also lost now. Uh, the the main site's uh, game archive goes back to the start of the site, but it doesn't include things like even Waligi. We had made um, – everything comes back to Waligi, but it was kind of <laughs> emblematic of the site, of the, the forums, I should say. So there were some Waligi games we made that – they even went missing for a while, even though it was this like, I don't know how or why it was beloved, but people seemed to really enjoy it. And we had made a couple that just kind of slipped through the cracks and vanished. And then someone found them on like a sendspace.com page, like a couple years later, and it was still working somehow. So even the stuff that was like valued on that side of the community, and it feels very strange to describe Wangiki as valued. I'm very, <laughs> very nervous about ever saying that. <laughs> no, I, I can say I, there is actually a Wangiki tag on Glorious Trainwrecks that has multiple games from multiple authors on it. So, which is 
horrifying. <laughs> That's oh god. But but even still, it's kind of it's so interesting that what has held up on the site has been like the formal history of it. But what was really happening on the site is the stuff that's all kind of gone. It was definitely, I think, for a while, the general discussion area was called the town square. Or I think it was was it? I can't remember. Some, there was some area on the site called the town square. I can't remember what, but that was definitely kind of the way that it worked. There was the the formal output of the site, and then there was all the hubbub happening underneath, and the tensions, and the the drama, and people trying out weird stuff. And I know it's it's fascinating to me that that stuff, despite being the lifeblood of the community, has not really survived in any meaningful form. I think a lot of it is people, you know, moved on. I mean, this the community, not to you know, put it down or anything, but it has always been, you know, primarily like teenage boys mostly. And there, there have been people who are there who are older, who are staying on board. There's one guy who's been an admin for a while who is uh, Vinny Video, just the totally right person to run the site. He's passionate about fan games and it's wonderful. But, you know, it's, it's fascinating that this was this just absolute, you know, cauldron of activity and everyone else has since kind of scattered to the winds gone on to other things largely abandoned fan games at this point um except for a couple people it's that, that just fascinates me that the 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 core of this of mfgg is kind of a dr- missing i guess is the right word mm-hmm. yeah it's that's a uh, very real um problem with a lot that I observed over and over in a lot of different communities that I was in where, you know, people would do stuff and it like, it mattered. It was like, um, and it would be uploaded on some random free host and it would just disappear. Right. Like, and there's, you know, if some, if someone, you know, maybe a year later happened to notice it was gone and it was important enough, you know, you might, make a post and be like, Oh, I, I saved this. This was still on my hard drive and I was curious about it. So, you know, here it is again, but like just so much stuff, um, is just so easily lost. Um, yeah. And if that's, if I can go on a tangent really quick about the history of the site, I know we're running a little short on time. No, that's fine. There, there was try to remember the exact specifics here. There was early on when we were kind of on separate hosts, everything was always falling apart. There was, you know, the host would kick us off. There was, I think the first host we lost was because they said they got a complaint from the IDSA, which was at the time the big trade organization for game developers. We still don't know if that was true or not. We think they may have just wanted to kick us off because we were using up too much bandwidth. And it was things like that, like, you know, the the forums were hosted out of the back of a Diablo 2 fan site that uh, eventually the, the guy who ran it, like, hacked not hacked but like you know dropped porn into the site was like how dare you host that it's like we're gonna get rid of you it's like you put that there though like what are you talking like there was clearly just this like awful tension the site's getting like randomly deleted when someone didn't feel like hosting it anymore and i think that for during that time we had this kind of like this sensibility that we were kind of like rejected that despite everything we had to keep soldering on the our cause was a, a righteous one that the cause of making our own mario games where people fart on each other was this this beautiful thing that was holding the community together and so it is kind of fascinating that the all the stuff that's gone missing all the you know the stuff that's only glancingly available in the internet archive um that was what was kind of keeping us together there was a, a time a very brief time when there was no message form and no site and there was absolutely nothing for like a week or two and 
it continued on on some like you know backwater free envision board message forum it was like mfgg in exile for a couple weeks and everyone was still sticking together that kind of going back to that shocked me i had forgotten how much people really cared about that community effort and i don't know i just, i think that's so fascinating yeah that the that community energy especially for earlier on like 2003 2004 is now largely undocumented and all we have left are you know whatever games have been uploaded to the site from that so i think there there was that fear of kind of losing the community had always existed early on and it's fascinating that that kind of dissipated once things got stable and everyone went on to their new things that's just a an odd contradiction i guess Mm -hmm. yeah well it's 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 also just kind of interesting um because i'm sure like you know, MFGG is, is, is one, you know, community of many that was, you know, um, certainly I can remember in like late nineties, early two thousands, just like, you know, having to exist by the grace of some random person, right? Like who is, who is, you know, knows more and you has more resources or just has a web server exactly running that they're letting you borrow, right? Like, um, it's an it's just in in kind of an interesting dynamic it's a lot less well it's it's different now it's not necessarily less true that you know people put a bunch of effort into a community and you know one day it might just completely disappear out from under them um i think it's a little bit more of a recognized problem now and it's a, a lot more um you know funded companies that are kind of doing that you know, just deleting GeoCities or whatever. Um, yeah, if if the Tumblr community, you know, kind of vanishes, that that's different than the web space you own. That the guy who runs it just decides he doesn't like you anymore, and then just deletes it overnight. Right. Uh, we we lucked out eventually. The person who's hosting it now, Justin, um, was able to, you know, kind of fund it for a while, and now is you know a professional programmer and is just able to pay for it and just keep the lights running. But yeah, that that is kind of an odd phenomenon that that the idea of having a a community you're hosting yourself just kind of off the back of someone else's goodwill i don't know that's i guess that's that's a different contrast and i guess because i'm not involved in any like new communities today i wonder there obviously is you know the fear of losing things and wanting to archive things and document things is like you said it is more recognized now but I, i i can't speak to what that dynamic is like now if you can just host your community in a facebook group as opposed to having to claw out one gigabyte a month of bandwidth from some sketchy unknown website. Well, and I think it's, I don't know. I mean, it's easier now to get just like random hosting too. Um, That's true. Then I think it, it was like, you know, there was, there was a period of time where getting a website on the internet meant you had a physical server that was yours pretty much um yeah which you know the infrastructure we have now is is very different um but uh but yeah it's just kind of that's that that's an interesting um kind of bit of um i don't know internet history that is (laughs) is no longer it do, things don't work that way anymore and you don't really think about it until you kind of look back and say yeah wow that was that was crazy that it was ever like 
you know, such a huge pain to get, you know, a website that was just at some, you know, I, I can remember, um, just like, um, I would, I would have somewhat. So I, I belonged, uh, at one point, this is super tangential, but, um, go for it. I was, I was part of a, a, a group online called teen programmers unite or TPU. <laughs> um, and just, just thinking about how the infrastructure just like completely would change hands or like, you know, it would want, you know, there was, I remember like in the nineties there was, uh, you know, registering a domain name was just completely out of the question. It was just like, this is a thing that people with credit cards do, right? Like, yeah. um, Yeah, no. But there were all these kind of free, you know, nice looking domains that you could piggyback off of. So you could be like, you know, tpu.home.ml.net or something like that. .cjb, yeah. Yes, (laughs) cjb.net. And, uh, you know, there'd be these random kind of sketchy free hosting sites that would, you know, fly by night and then eventually just shut down. Um, and you just, you, you had no idea that, you know, tripod is going to still be around in 2017, but, uh, you know, zoom.com was going to disappear <laughs> in 2001 or whatever. Um, you just took whatever web space you could find and you put your stuff up. Yeah. And I, I wonder if that sort of existential fear wasn't motivating us a little bit in the beginning. I, I can't say for sure. Obviously, it's not an experimental lab where you can try this, but I, d- I do wonder if the knowledge that we were like being chased from server to server and that things may not be stable for the long term was kind of a, again, kind of a unifying thing that made us think, you know, this is worth sticking through. We got to do fan games. And that once things got a little more stable, that's when things got a little looser and a little more just kind of general community oriented. I don't know for sure, but I see kind of a a relationship there to mm. stability uh, versus the, the like the urgent tenacity we had to keep the site going. Right. Hmm. That's definitely interesting. Something swirling around in there. Not sure what, but yeah. Anything else you wanted to, uh, to mention or uh, nothing in particular. Uh, I really, the main thing was I wanted to make sure we touched on Waligi and we did that a good amount. Yeah. So <laughs> no, Waligi was definitely on my list. Like I, I honestly like yeah. I heard about Waligi through Glorious Trainwrecks. Like people talking about it um, on just like as as in not reverential, but like nostalgic tones of like oh yeah, remember remember the days of Waligi. If a 2005 MFGG message form must have a mascot, I guess Waligi is as good as any. I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks so much for your time. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This was really fun and, uh, yeah, lots of good stuff. And, uh, yeah, anyone listening should definitely check out the Obscuratory. Um, lots and lots of really interesting stuff being spotlighted there. Um, I did do one post about an FGG game on there recently. One of my favorite strange, totally out there ones. Uh, so if, if you want to read more about these bizarre things we did, uh, there's one up there. Awesome. That's super cool. All right. Well, yeah. Thank you for having me on. This was great. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for chatting with me. Of course. All right. Uh, this has been the uh, Fringe Game History Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Fringe Game History Podcast. I'm Jeremy Penner, and my guest today has been Phil Salvador. 
My contact information, as well as all of the show notes, are available at fringe.games. Lots of interesting stuff to dig into there, so be sure to check it out. And I'm always interested to hear your feedback. If you listen this far, please reach out and let me know what you thought. And if you know someone, or are someone, whose story needs to be told, don't hesitate to get in touch. Hope you'll join us again soon. Thanks so much for listening.